I want to read to you from the book of Acts, the second chapter. If you have a Bible with you, you can open that on up. If you have your phone, you can pull that out and find it if you like. It'll be up on the screen as well. Uh, whatever, whatever feels good makes sense to you. Acts chapter 2, that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. That's in the last third of the Bible. It's called the New Testament, if you didn't know. And this, um, Luke and Acts are written by the same person. And so it's interesting that they are, um, in, as we put them together in the scripture, um, John is in between the two books. It would actually make more sense if Luke and Acts were back to back because you, ought to, you really ought to read from Luke right into Acts and go on. So if you ever want to do that sometime, it's interesting to, to hear that voice, that writer's voice, Luke's voice, all the way through Luke and Acts. And so um, it's often called the Acts of the Apostles, but, but really uh, most people have said that it ought to be called Acts of the Holy Spirit because the Spirit is really now guiding the community, and it's really about the community that comes up after Jesus ascends, after Jesus' resurrection. And so this is early on in the book of Acts, starting with uh, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. So much of the time when we build community or build communities, we naturally end up keeping other people out. If you know anything about group dynamics, and and we study this a lot in the church, that whenever you start a class of some kind that when that group comes together, whatever size that group is, that after like the second time they've been together, it feels from the outside like that's, that, that they're a group and that, and that maybe you're a new person and that you're not really welcome there. It's sort of natural that we, we, when we come together that we form these chains with our backs to people that might want to come in and our faces toward one another. I mean, it makes sense that we do this. And to build community, we, we have to do some of that. And we often then, in other places, put up gates so as to keep out the people that we don't want in that community. Hence the words, gated community. It's not that we're really wanting to keep the people in that are in, We want to keep the people out that we don't want in. That's really what the gate is for. It's just sort of how we naturally organize ourselves. And what's interesting is that um, then as Jesus uses this metaphor of, of him being the gate, of him being the shepherd, 
that that's not really what he intends at all. Yes, he intends for us to create community, to be together, to be a flock, to to care for one another, to watch out for one another, to be with one another. But then it also says that the shepherd leads the sheep out. That just like a flock of sheep, just like a flock of sheep that need to go out and, and of course to feed and to be fed and this sort of thing, Jesus leads us out, out of that safe confine of that community, out into the world. But Jesus leads us out into the world to be for the world. Not to simply be for ourselves. But oftentimes churches, religious communities don't act like that. I mean, I mean you see that, right? You see when, 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 these, when uh, the, the communes that come together, like you just, they get very insular and they don't go outside. They don't, they don't, if, they really, if the leader really wants to, wants to have control, you know, then they, they, they keep outsiders out and you don't come in unless you've been indoctrinated in the right way. And throughout history, the church has sometimes been that way. Where, you know, you had to have the secret codes and passwords and, 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 and say the right language and do the right things in order to be a member of the community, in order to be accepted in the community. And in ancient times, I mean, around Jesus' time, as they were bringing people into the community, um, they were often very cautious about who they were bringing in. Because early on, of course, the Christians were seen with a lot of suspicion, there are a lot of people who told a lot of stories about them being this strange community that, that drank blood and ate flesh, right? Because that's the language we use around the Lord's Supper. Because they weren't allowed to see in. They weren't allowed to see what was going on. So it's interesting then to have these early stories of the Christian community and what they were doing after Jesus. That, that they were following the example that Jesus had set for them. And I love how this particular phrase opens up here in Acts. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. They devoted themselves. It doesn't, it doesn't quite get it, because devotion for us doesn't, isn't, doesn't sound like a very strong word. They persisted in. They were steadfast in. They continued to do something with intense effort. That's really what the Greek word there means. That this was an intensity sort of thing. That they devoted themselves to learning more. To caring for each other. To eating together. And, and we think that some way the breaking of the bread is, is maybe code word for this for this meal that became the Lord's Supper and to the prayers. That then as in that community, they were very focused on the, I don't want to say the rituals, but on the aspects of of things that would become our rituals, our ways of worshiping, our ways of fellowshipping, our ways of communing, our ways of studying. But they weren't insular. They didn't stay that way, that as they did these things, and then as they cared for each other in the community, 
Because it says that they, they, they brought things together, and when people had need, they made sure that people had the resources that they need. Christians were, the, were some of the first um, communities to take care of widows and orphans in a society that didn't take care of widows and orphans. Christians throughout time then were the first ones to, to build hospitals, to set up schools, to be patrons of the art, not just for themselves, not just for their own purposes. Yeah, they set up hospitals because they wanted to care for the sick and they believed that Jesus was the great physician. They set up schools because they wanted to teach people the Bible, to teach people to read so they could, so they could study and, and, they could, and they could know the Bible, but, but also that, so that they could be productive citizens. They were patrons of the art because they believed in the beauty of what God created and, and how that could be represented. They held things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods as they needed to and distribute the proceeds. Day by day, they spent much time in the temple. And so, if you don't know much about the temple, you know, there's these big courtyards. So, so they were probably just there gathering and talking and having fellowship. And people were probably overhearing them talking about what was going on in their community and, and what was happening there. And maybe then they would have conversation with other people. I sort of imagine it like, you know, the local coffee shop or something. Where people would, you'd be, you'd be talking, people would overhear you and maybe say, well, what are you guys talking about? And so they would spend time in the temple and they would be, they would be sharing with, with other people. And it says, they ate their food with glad and generous hearts. Another way of um, translating that is with, with glad and sincere hearts. They were very happy for the the things that had been given to them because they were living with this sense that God had gifted them with everything that they needed. And so they praised God. And then it says they had the goodwill of all the people. And the reference isn't just to the people that were inside the circle, but the people that were in their community around them. And I find that really fascinating that somehow what they were doing, people were people were were being attracted to that. And then in the last phrase it says, and the Lord, and day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. That somehow, in some way, the way that they were living their lives, not in this secluded, shut down, gated community kind of way, but in this open and welcoming and sharing sort of way, that people were being attracted to that. And it doesn't say that they added to their number. I find that interesting. Because in a lot of churches, there's a big push, you know. We've got to go save those souls. We've got to go get people in the kingdom. We've got to be the ones out there, you know, roping them in or something. That's what it feels like to me, like a big cattle roundup. But it says the Lord, God, added to their number. That there was a real spirit that was moving in and through that community that drew people to them. That how they were living their lives, how they were sharing with each other, that people were going, there is something different here. And I really want to be a part of that. I, I, I want to, that difference is, is palpable. It's clear. 
There's something going on here that isn't going on in other places. And so I want to be part of that. And they didn't shut down the gates. They didn't close off that community. They opened themselves. Now, of course, throughout history, the closing down, that came later. <laughs> once, we, once, once, uh, once Christianity got, got married up with the political powers that be and all of that, then, and, and it was advantageous to be part of the Christian community, then, then that's when we started putting the gates up. We really started saying, you're in, and you know, we're in, and you're out, and, 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 and all this sort of thing. And that's, that's where we got into all kinds of trouble, in my opinion. But today, in this congregation, in this era of this church, what I'm beginning to see is, is God forming up this community in such a way that the gates are open. And that Christ is the one who is shepherding us in and shepherding us out to be his message in this world. To share with our community what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That it means to devote yourself, to do something with intensity in following Christ, in studying and praying and worshiping, but in serving and being generous, that we are being formed into a community that shines a light into this community that draws people in because they say there's something happening here that is different. There's a character about this people that is of God. Because people, as a fellow pastor friend of mine says, aren't looking for a church. They're looking for God. They're looking for a community of God. They're looking for a community of people that are real and honest, that, that, don't, that you know, don't just have that, that, that face on that, oh, everything's good and I'm a pious person, you know, here on Sunday morning I got my church on and, and I'm, you know... I got it. I got it's all good. And then on Monday morning, I'm you know I'm mean to the people that I work with, and I try to I try to you know cheat everybody as much as I can so I can get my bank account built up, and you know all that sort of thing. I mean that's you know it's sort of drawing it black and white, but that we people are looking for a community where you know we can own our hypocrisy, <laughs> because I mean let's just be on. I'll be honest. I mean there are times when I am a hypocrite. I say something and I do something else. But God does not cast me out of the community because of that. God draws me in, calls me to confession and calls me to be honest about those things, sets my feet back on the path, leading me into a sincerity and a generosity and an integrity that I hope I can truly fully fulfill one day. And so we are being called to be that beloved, devoted community. Not just for ourselves, but to be led out by the shepherd so that we might touch lives in his name because people are looking for God. 
They are hungry for mercy and healing and hope. And that is what Jesus brings. And we received that in its fullness when we were made part of this community through the sacrament of baptism. That public and communal way when we were brought into this community of faith, brought in and made a part of the body of Christ. And when we awaken to what it means to be baptized, when we awaken to what it means to remember our baptism each and every day, we can become that beloved community. We become those people who are infused with the Holy Spirit in such a way that people see it shining through us. We become the message of Jesus. And so today I'm inviting you to be reawakened in baptism. That as we reaffirm our baptisms here during worship in just a little bit, and as you come forward to the bowls of water, that you might not just be remembering, or or you probably don't remember your baptism, but you might not just be thinking about what it means to be a member of the body of Christ, but that it might be reigniting within you the spirit that you were given in that sacrament. That Holy Spirit that is the power of God. That spirit that moved over the watery chaos and brought all things to life. That spirit that sustains all living things now and forevermore. That that spirit is in you. That you have the power of God to be a light shining in the darkness. Cared for by Christ as one of his flock sent out, led out by Christ to be Christ's messenger and message. May you be reawakened to your baptism today. Amen.